I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Woo. Woo. Okay, that's that's a new one. <laughs> yeah. I don't actually say that in real life, I don't think, probably. Okay. okay. So I don't I don't go up to people and be like, woo. 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 <laughs> So. I, that was a really good chicken there because i was like i'm not gonna say anything this time i'm gonna wait for you oh really okay yeah. well i i, I didn't even, yeah i mean I, like in the back of my mind i knew we were playing chicken still but like i didn't i just remember last time i went first and i'm like not this time oh, okay <laughs> I, I hear you yeah the old jess and no authority smackdown yep <laughs> that's yep. me long time long time no see yeah yep long time yep. ages yeah <laughs> So the audience definitely wouldn't know that, but we've been doing more pairing lately. So we just saw each other, um, you know, virtually, of course, uh, earlier, earlier today. Yeah. Or like last night, if you're. Oh, yeah. You. Yeah. On the other side of the world. (laughs) You're in, you're in Straya. So you're like. Yeah. I've been, I've been asleep while you've been (laughs) having your day. (laughs) Yeah. I had my whole day with a four month old and fixing bugs and sending out newsletters and playing on Twitter and the stock market and you slept and then you're talking to me after pairing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for me, it's like I've paired and then I went to sleep and now I'm chatting with you again. And now we paired again, but now for a podcast. Yeah. So no, it's, it's been good, you know, like maybe we'll start with that, like the pairing, like in general. So we, we started this, what, maybe two weeks ago and started going like twice a week, which isn't a lot by pairing standards by any means but it's been like energizing for me i mean like we talked about last time like getting more than one thing done a day is a challenge so like Mm. having that pairing in a way like feels like i already i like i like for me i wake up and start that and like feels like i got something checked off you know yeah that's a that's a really good point actually that i've heard that getting something done first thing in the morning even if it's just making the bed is like a massive yeah good thing for your mental health really (laughs) good little hack there productivity hack yeah but no like i think i think the pairing like i used to do it eight hours a day five days a week like it was you know the day job and it was like legit pairing it wasn't like oh yeah we get together and code for 20 minutes and then we go do something else it wasn't like over the shoulder yeah i mean it was like side by side you know same computer you know dual monitors extreme programming kind of stuff. extreme yeah (laughs) So like I've I missed it as the point like when I was deep in it then every now and then you you need a break I mean yeah it was literally extreme but like yeah I I missed it so us doing it lately has been like energizing and there's just so much more to pairing than like people they look at it and they're like oh well it's two developers on one task so you're getting fifty percent of the productivity. But there's so many assumptions about that because, like, yeah. you're assuming that you get 100% productivity out of that person otherwise, yep. which you don't, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, like, the only time I'm 100% is when I'm pairing, honestly. Yeah, you've got, like, an accountability buddy. <laughs> yeah, accountability buddy. Is that, a, <laughs> is that an Australian term? I don't know. I think I heard it in a movie or something. But, yeah, you've got someone that you're accountable yeah. to is the point. Um, yeah. You've got someone that stops you from going down rabbit holes. Um, yeah like you can go down rabbit holes a little bit but because you've got someone else there it's kind of like okay we're a bit deep well it's time boxed yeah exactly yeah i'll time box us i know i know sometimes you like going and looking at stuff and getting kind of spun out yeah but it's that's that's why i benefit from pairing is to have someone else that's like yeah okay cool let's circle back to that later (laughs) 
and the, and those are, and those are things that you notice though both both ways and oh, you yeah. know I'm I'm probably like super strict the other way I'm like let's write the code ah you know so like it's it's good to balance that's the other aspect of pairing is like you build those you know connections and rapports where like your team can talk to each other on like the next level yeah and the other thing is like from my point of view at least I don't think you really need like code peer review when you've had like when the code's been pair programmed because like that is the second pair of eyes. So yeah. any time you theoretically lose from pairing, you gain with not having peer review. But it also is way better on team building. So, And I think the quality too is it to relate to the there. I mean, even if you're not like, you know, extreme programming TDD as, as being another one of the pillars of that, like even if you weren't, like you're still getting a bit of oversight a bit of code review, like, on the fly. Yeah. Even if you weren't writing tests. Like, anyway, not necessarily, like, selling pair programming. I'm just saying I like it. I missed it. It makes me feel energized and, like, excited for the day. And I feel we're super productive in that hour or so that we do it. I hadn't really done it at all. I mean, I've worked in places where if you did work with, like, if you started helping someone, all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you were made to feel guilty for not working on your own thing. Oh. It was like really kind of like punished. Um, so interesting. Where I'm currently working, pairing is is encouraged. So I've been pairing with you, pairing at work, and I love it. I think it's yeah. I feel like my productivity is better. I feel like just my like job satisfaction is better. Um, my code is better. It's yeah. I'm really enjoying. It. I don't like. I do need a break from it sometimes. Just being kind of introverted. I kind of you know, can get exhausted from social situations. I think the break is critical. I, I think in retrospect, I, if I were, let's just say I were running a team, like I would adopt most of the things from extreme programming, except, you know, the eight hours, you know, side by side all the time. Like I just... Full on, yeah. But pairing would definitely be in there. I don't know. I've, I've really enjoyed pairing sessions with you. I, I really like seeing other people's workflows just how they use their computer like all those little things um i wouldn't learn half the shortcuts i know or even the limited amount i know in vim if if i weren't you know pairing with you know people that were using those tools or you know vice versa me trying to be as quick in my own tools or whatever you know yeah it's like little things like you know you see someone they'll jump down to the command line and they'll have some little command line tool that makes things way easier and it's like, oh, okay, what was that? <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. I used I used to gripe, and I mean, I still hold the same gripe, but like, I'm not a huge fan of like a bunch of system aliases because of that reason. Like, when you pair, it's like you just don't know what the other person. It's all kind of magic, and then it's yeah. like, oh, that's just an alias for you know, get commit and push. You know, it's like get up. What's what's get up? You know? Yeah. Like, what's nah? You know. Nah. Yep. So, and it's, it's fun. Like once you know what it is, of course, like it's, a, it's totally handy, like alias or command or whatever. But like, I used to really be like, you know, don't alias those, you know, get core, get commands anyways. Cause it's like, just create yeah. completion or whatever. So it's. If you're always, if you're generally pairing with the same person though, you'll learn those pretty quickly. And like sure. the time you save in typing out like G I T space, you know, whatever, like I just alias get to G as a small one. And then, yeah. like, add yeah, yeah. patch mode. I have AP, so I can do GAP. It's like git add patch. Whoa. Gap. If I had to type not, like, those three letters and had to type the full thing, I don't know. I might not do patch mode. 
Yeah. That was the motivation for like going down that road of like, oh, I don't really like to alias him, you know? And if you're screencasting, then it's, I would I'd 100% agree, like you're kind of got an audience of lots of people. <laughs> That's ultimately where I was getting is because I know like Wadden and like Stauffer kind of like gave me some crap about that. Like, you know, who cares? Oh, I'm going to do this. J-Mac hates me, you know, like, <laughs> and it was funny because I, I remember watching one of Stauffer's live streams, you know, a couple months back or whatever. And he was like, oh, J-Mac used to complain about this. And now I remember why, you know, now I'm like feeling like why it was the core complaint of like, no one knows what you're typing, you know? I feel like it's really obvious though. Like some of Taylor's ones, like MFS for Migrate Fresh Seed. Sure, sure. I hadn't thought to make that part of my workflow to like really like just constantly feel okay with nuking the database and seeding it like so yeah. often that you have an alias for it. So when I watch that, I'm like, I'm going to give that a go. And it's become a workflow that I actually quite enjoy. So for clarity, nothing is wrong with like aliases at all. I think people thought I was like, oh, no aliases ever, you know, yeah. don't ever save any keystrokes. Like that's not <laughs> exactly what I was saying. It was very specific to like the git core commands like i have no problem if you make like a git unstage or a git logo to like do logs like shorthands for crazy long git commands absolutely all day long right like git has built-in aliases nothing's wrong with that yeah but it, it was more like the like gap like that's where i would i would have probably been like i have no idea what you did add patch <laughs> yeah i get it now i get it i hear total tangent off of the uh mfs the the migrate fresh seed oh yeah i tried to submit something a couple weeks back and let me get your take on this sure do you ever do you ever seed an individual like cedar do you ever run an individual cedar uh depends on the project but sometimes yes and the command is what dash dash class how do you feel about like the dash dash class like have you ever just typed the class name without the dash dash class i don't think i've tried it I think it would probably make more sense if I could just type it and it doesn't matter where it exists. It's just like. Yeah. So anyway, that was the PR. I just, I'm like, I'm so tired of typing dash dash class. Cause like any other artisan command, you like don't. Yeah. When you do artisan make, you don't say like dash dash model equals model name, you know, any of those other commands, you don't do that. So I just, I just felt like it was very one off out of place. It was like such a paper cut for me mm -hmm. and it, it kind of, it got rejected. No plans to merge. I may try it again. I think two reasons it got rejected probably, and this is just me guessing, because I think I got rid of the dash dash class. So then, of course, it was a breaking change. Uh, yeah. And then since Laravel 9 is not going to be released in March, mm -hmm. I think a lot of the features, it was that time period where a lot of features got like kind of kicked over the fence for being, you know, hey, are these going to kind of go into like a bigger Laravel 8 minor release or are they going to be pushed out to, you know, September? Yeah, yeah. That's me, again, just kind of doing some guesswork. So point being, I might try to bring it back to life, but without the breaking change aspect. Okay. So you can still type dash dash class equals if you want yeah. those six characters. So, anyway. One of my neighbors has just decided they want to start whippersnippering their lawn. So that's fun. Hopefully that's not coming through on the mic. <laughs> Are they an abilibuddy whippersniffering? What's going on? Uh, that must be an Australianism. What's whip? Are they smelling your yard? No, no, no. Whippersnipper is like a like a weed trimmer, a weed whacker, a weed eater, a weed eater. Like the thing that spins. I probably could have like, put that. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I got you now. Got you now, champ. <laughs> what you whippersnipper? Whippersnipper. Why did I say it with an accent? Whippersnipper. Whippersnipper. <laughs> whippersnipper. Whippersnipper. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's nuts. Totally makes total sense now, and I'll probably call it that just for fun one day. <laughs> this is the whole the whole spanner thing. Next time, like my dad just trying to get something out of the garage, I'm be like, get the whippersnipper. <laughs> I think he'll probably write me out of the will if I do that, but that's okay. <laughs> You've been hanging out with too many Australians. <laughs> <laughs> dad, it's from Australia. So, but yeah, on pairing, I just wanted to also on pairing say the other thing that. I think I've also found fun is live streaming. Now I haven't really done much of it. Like I haven't done any live live streaming, but live live. Yeah. I've like at work, we have like a team zoom room and sometimes I'll go into the zoom room when, even if no one's there and share my screen and practice, um, as if I was live streaming and talking about it and all those sorts of things, because one day I would like to do some live streaming. But also yeah. because I can unlock some of those benefits of pairing, even if the other person's not there. If I'm still sharing my screen and someone could join at any time. I don't know if it was just from all those years of like pairing or something, but like, I don't know what the concern with live streaming is. Like, I don't know. I guess I don't feel it. I'm worried that everyone's going to see like how terrible of a programmer I am and all the things that I do wrong. No. It's kind of that that whole thing. Honestly, I think there's definitely an audience that enjoys that. Are, are there like... Yeah. We're, we're surrounded by, you know, not to make a pun on the whole Laravel thing, but like we're, we're definitely surrounded by like some elite, you know, programmers, right? Yeah. People doing really cool stuff. They're, they're building, you know, their own frameworks, their own technologies, their own stuff. I mean, it's, it's nuts. And that can create a level of intimidation, I think, like yeah. indirectly. That's not what these people are trying to do by any means, but like, of course not, no. You know, they're doing awesome stuff is the point. And, I even totally get that. I feel that. And so the point I want to make is that there is a huge gap between that and and kind of the rest of the community. A lot of those people are learning. So I think they like seeing that struggle. You know, they like seeing, yeah. you know, you work through a problem and how you work through it. And just like when we pair, you know, learning that, you know, Vim shortcut or seeing how I might generate those fixture files or something, whatever this morning we were messing around with. Or when we do get a failing test, how do I approach solving it, especially when it's a weird failure, you know? And it was all like, when in doubt, log it out, you know? And yeah. <laughs> but I think I think those things are valuable is the point. Yeah, I've probably learned more about Tailwind from watching like Adam's live streams, for example. Sure. Than I have from any formal like from documentation or any formal stuff like in terms of like how to use it like the, the documentation is great for specifics but in terms of like the idiomatic and just the like yeah i don't know it's just something really cool about watching someone do it but to clarify that not necessarily the the live streams from the documentation site you're talking about the live streams where he like rebuilt something that he never really had worked on before Those, yeah yeah yes and the difference being those weren't necessarily polished or rehearsed no, or, exactly. you know, built for a conference. Like that was him saying, hey, I'm going to go rebuild Coinbase with Tailwind. Let's see yeah. how this works. A hundred percent. Yeah. Those to me are the, the best Tailwind learning resources from my point of view anyway. Yeah. They're real raw. I, I yeah. think that that's the aspect I'm going for. I don't want them to be too polished. Like if you're doing a marketing thing, like, you know, Taylor kind of did with Spark, totally makes sense. Yeah. You know, make it a little polished clean up some of the, the cuts don't necessarily fumble a lot you know we do those for you know shift all the time yeah. but like yeah true live stream I, I think it's good to have that element of raw and just having someone talk out loud their thought process and yeah. even seeing them try something and then and seeing why they why that didn't succeed 
and then backing it out and doing something else. You would normally yeah. you wouldn't normally see that in like a polished thing. You wouldn't see the kind of the mistake side of it. Exactly. But to me, that's just as valuable to see the stuff that didn't work as it is to see the stuff that does work. Like I said, I just think it's interesting because like you, you're not the first person to to mention that by any means. Like I, you know, a okay. couple of weeks back or a month ago, like I think what Kristoff um, Rump, Rumpel, yeah, it was mentioning like, oh, I want to live stream. Like, what are your tips? And it's just kind of like, just do it, do it, <laughs> yeah, just do it. And to that point, I have started live coding at Meetup Talks. Nice, um, which has been really fun so i've done i've done one talk but i've done it twice now so it's it's all live coded it's all in my editor now live coding definitely i'll give you that that that's i think scary for a lot of people i'm i still get nervous about that like it it takes some gusto and some clarity of thought to truly live stream even if it is practiced that one is practiced yeah (laughs) yeah definitely again there's some people in our community that make that look really good but like yeah it's it's tough. It takes some bravery. Yeah, last night I, I lost my trail of thought at one spot with like where I was at. But I I kind of in my head I went back to Laracon AU. I think Frake had something go wrong with PHP Storm. Mm-hmm. And I'd remember how calm he was. He didn't make a big deal of it. He kind of joked about it yeah. and carried on. And it's like that moment flooded into my mind last night and I was calm and solved it was fine. Like it was no big deal at all. So thank you, Frake. <laughs> It's good to realize that it's so slow in your mind when that's happening. It it feels so frozen in time. But like to everyone else, it's like two seconds. Yeah, definitely. Most people just think it's a pause. So it it is almost bad when you call yourself out on it because then you draw attention to like the mess up, so to speak, when probably 90% of the audience wouldn't have even thought you messed up. No, that's true. And I think the only reason I probably even noticed like or remembered like Freak having the issue is because I was speaking at the same conference and I was paranoid about that happening. And so when I saw that happening, it made me feel calm of knowing that like, that's okay. Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) I think you can always cover it up with a bit of like a joke too, like some kind of like, you know, blue screen or, you know, whatever kind of (laughs) tech joke. But at the same time, you don't want to like, sometimes I'll overdo that. Like you don't want to joke on it too much. That's a different way to draw too much attention is the point. Yeah. So just some random tips there about speaking. So, mm-hmm. so there was one more thing uh, related to pairing, but yeah. but maybe more on like the technical side. So what we have been pairing on is we're working on uh, some tailwind shifts. And mm-hmm. just for a little backstory again for the audience, like Jess has been helping for about a year now, maybe a little more with shift the site. Yep. Um, so I've been able to focus on the back end, but now the, sh- the site's in a pretty okay place. You know, we gave it a little refresh. It's we've oiled in all those subscription pieces you know pre spark next mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind of built those ourselves <laughs> and then like so now like we're working on the back end and an area is these new tailwind shifts but jess is kind of like the first person outside of myself probably to see and work with like the back end for shift like the actual engine, the engine yeah. so to speak that like runs the shifts you know, does the tasks. So as a little behind the scenes, like, and maybe some impromptu questions for you, Jess, like, mm-hmm. how's that been? Like, what did, what did you think? I guess, first of all, what did you think kind of peeking behind the curtain? Cause there's some things I want to say on it, but I don't, I don't want to bias you. Sure. Well, I guess like it has been running for a while. Let's start with that, that it's been going for a while. So yeah. It's, it's a five-year-old code base yeah, for sure. So some of the things are, have that sort of five-year-old style and that's, 100% fine. 
because this isn't yeah. an application that's being consumed by tons and tons of people like who are working on it. Yeah, some of the decisions make sense when it's a really small team that maybe if it was like a larger team with lots of people onboarding all the time, you'd want to start, you know, doing a lot of modernization. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to see like some behind the scenes of, I don't know, like there's definitely a lot of Yagni, you know, it's just like, it's doing what it needs to do. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. It's pretty like, I don't want to say bare bones per se, but like it's pretty like metal. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's pretty scrappy as well in terms of like when i say scrappy yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like scrappy is a good one i like it's it it's doing so many different complex things that it like you know it's it's just deferring to all these little bits of tools to do all these little ta- like tasks because it's not like every thing you need to do with a shift can be solved in the same way it's like no this one needs to use this kind of parser this one needs to yeah you know use regexes it's definitely a practice in like the right tool for the job and sometimes finding that right tool took two, three, four versions. So therefore like two years, you know? And then some things like weren't worth going back and refactoring. Like why go back and fix the Laravel 5.0 shift? It runs, no one's really using it that much anymore. Like it's just kind of, you know, a product on the shelf that sells, you know, definitely a couple a week kind of thing. So like why put it up front, you know? Yeah, it's, to me, it's like, it's actually a really nice contrast of like a lot of the, like say like all the base coding practices and all that, it's more the Yagni side of it of like that stuff is really good to do all the base coding side of things. And at the time that would have been the way that things were done, Yeah. but it doesn't always make sense to go back and apply that standard to everything you've ever done in the past. Sure. If like in the case of this, it's not a product you're constantly having to update that, you know, the tailwind, uh, sorry, the Laravel 5 shift. There's no benefit to, to doing it. Yeah. In in total like fairness and, and just kind of admitting for myself, a great way to see the pieces of a code base that you're unhappy with or maybe even a little embarrassed by is to invite someone to the code and then start walking them through like, you know, how it works. And you'll find out real quick of like, oh yeah, I meant to fix this. This is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it this way. So like it is fun to see that like you said, the time and to hear, I pay attention to, to that. Like, I hear myself kind of when I'm telling you, there's just a slight bit of embarrassment of there. Like, uh, yeah, we're going to fix this. Like, maybe not embarrassment, but just like, I know that's something if I worked on again, I would do it differently, right? Yeah. And some things like super minor, like, you know, at some point, I think you switched from using um, snake case method names to camel case. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be pretty straightforward to go through and make them all consistent. But, like, you kind of see that. And I always think of, like, software projects like this as, you know, when they take, like, a core sample of, of the earth and you see all the layers sure. of things over time? Yeah. You can kind of see that like in, really in code. really dirty one way back in time. Yeah, you can kind of see, like, oh, at this layer, things were working like this. Yeah. So. 200,000 years ago when this volcano erupted, yeah. all this code was crappy <laughs> and got burnt. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's it's one of those things. And, and no, I it, that's a perfect example of, like, in the very beginning, like I can explain that, like in the very beginning, a lot of shifts pieces were just these like helper functions. They weren't even in a class. And then over the years, I wanted to kind of improve the testability of that. So I wrapped it in a facade, which I can swap in the tests mm-hmm. and ensure that these like low level utility type functions get called. But I didn't clean up the method names, you know, at the time. So they, some of them are the really old ones, the really, really like 
find this file kind of thing like their snake case yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so it's it's been good to get someone to look at that and so one one last piece on the pairing and, and then the shift stuff as well mm-hmm. is something i've noticed and I, I think again this is good like for the audience and talk about and kind of go behind the curtain on but like there is a core difference i think between you and me as programmers i think you really like seeing kind of the whole picture you want to know all the things you want to like think it all the way through Mm -hmm. and you want to try like kind of the new stuff to solve the problem and i'm like the exact opposite i'm (laughs) like been there done that this thing works it's not pretty but it'll get done in like you know half the time and we're never going to use it again so who cares so like very pragmatic i think pragmatic's generous so i appreciate that (laughs) but i definitely admit that again i'm we're just in different spots and and nothing absolutely nothing is wrong with either like i remember being there so i try to like kind of have patience with it but it's it's one of those things where i know sometimes i'm probably just like uh let's go back to the code can we can we write this one line here just write this one line yeah the question is i guess what goes through your mind that puts you on this path of kind of thinking through the problem and like, oh, okay, well, um, you know, these options, we were talking about purge CSS earlier and like tweaking the config file. And you're like, you know, these options, what about, what if they have this? And if they have this option, should we do this? And like, you really kind of get into that, like peck, peck, peck of yeah. the logic. What sets you down that path, do you think? From my perspective, and this is something I normally have to explain to like non-technical people is when they're telling me something that needs to happen, my job is to take these kind of fuzzy human requirements sure. and tell a computer how to do it. And the computer can't make judgment calls. It needs to be told exactly what to do in every scenario it's going to encounter. Yeah. So that's kind of my brain's natural default is to start thinking, how am I going to explain this to a computer? Like it's going to ask all these questions. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that's what sets that off. But sometimes I get too caught up in that though. I think that's the balance. And maybe what I'm trying to reveal is like, I think... There's a, there's a difference in my mind between like the five whys, for example, mm-hmm. like why are you doing it? C- trying to get to a heart of a problem, right? Yep. That's more of like the five why approach mm-hmm. in my mind. Like you ask why and why and why and why. By contrast, kind of what I'm exemplifying here is like, it's almost like the five hows. Like, how are we going to do that? <laughs> how are we going to do that? And if we do that, how are we going to, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like. It's a little different, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Like, there's nothing, again, absolutely nothing wrong with it. Definitely not trying to, to pick on you or anything. It's just a difference I've noticed. And I'm trying to, like, play around with it for a minute to maybe help people at different stages of the program come here. Like, you know, hey, this is okay. But, like, you know, sometimes it's good to kind of just get in and do the naive thing. Like, like you've seen me. Let's take this a different approach. Okay. You've seen me write, like, to the point, some pretty gnarly code just super naive yeah you know but the tests pass and it's done and i know in your mind there's like a little itch that's like what about what about this stuff so so what about those moments from your perspective then i i totally get it i mean i remember when learning tdd of like the first cycle is the most naive approach like if you're writing a calculator and it's got to do two plus two equals four you can literally, like, I've seen some cases where they'll hard code return four as the output, yeah, to make the test pass. I had a I had a pair like that that did that crap all the time, yeah. That's, to me, is a little bit, taking it a little bit too far, but sure. I do really appreciate just doing the gnarly, get it working, kind of then refactor. 
or in some cases it's like it's actually fine as as it is like that i mean there's no there's no need to refactor i think the final point about shift and and related to this that maybe makes it a little different and, and kind of a good mix of everything we've been talking about is in a way shift is is time boxed in and of itself because you know you want to get that out as close to the release date as possible mm-hmm. but then the other thing about shift in a way that forces you to maybe moves that needle a little more to i guess the yagni side right Mm -hmm. is we don't know who's using it how it's getting used what kind of code they've written like yeah like shift is a in a way like it's it's a it's like an effort to beat failure like because it fails in a lot of different ways and i don't think most people see that unless you're doing like really custom code or like you know, just have a really, really outdated app. And it's still like, don't get me wrong, it's super, super useful. But the point I'm making is when we automate this piece to maybe upgrade part of your config, I mean, there's an infinite number of ways that you could write those config files or something, right? So like you're going back to the five hows, you're trying to be like, well, if they wrote it that way, then how am I going to, and if, and it's hard. And it, and I've had five years of experience of of kind of getting beaten down and just having to like answer the support email and admit, oh yeah, you know, I didn't expect, you know, yeah. that code sample. Can you send me a snippet? I'll add it to test cases. Boom. It's now shift is 1% better. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like 80, 20 rule kind of stuff again, right? Like yeah, you're okay with making it work for 80, 80% of people for whatever reason I'm, feel the need to make it work for 100% of people of every possible scenario could ever come up ever. <laughs> and it's not worth it. Kind of to the point of the last podcast, like, obviously, I want to do that too, of course. right? And I kind of pick and choose those battles. But I think I've learned it's just not possible when we're talking about like, code automation, per se. Yeah. So I've backed off of that because I would never, again, to the last podcast, like, I would never get even that first shift out the door if I wasn't again accepting of like failure yeah (laughs) like knowing yeah that doesn't work for that kind of code sorry you know yeah but it's not like sorry screw off go fix your code which i think some people might you know that's a different episode on support but like it's more like hey can you send me that and i'll try to improve it you know and i've done that so many times over the last five years that now shift is magic but like yeah you know and like also it's so cheap that like you can easily forgive those sorts of things as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different episode as well. But like, yeah, in a way that is one of the reasons like shift isn't probably what it's like. I don't charge necessarily like what it's probably worth. Yeah. I mean, you could easily charge like $99 a shift and like, yeah, you're going to lose a lot of the people that just do it for fun, but you're going to gain, you know, 11 more, yeah. you know, 11 X the revenue by those people that continue to use it because they know it's worth that it is interesting know? though because like you increase the prices of old shifts so when a new shift comes out yeah. the old ones get more expensive and that's kind of like encourages people to stay on the latest version sure but also something i didn't really think of until now is the older shifts have also been refined by the other people running it so the cheaper price for the current shift is also like those people might not be getting like all of those little tiny edge case tweaks yeah yeah i play it up more towards like hey stay current it'll save you a few bucks but yeah but those expensive ones are more refined. No, you're absolutely right. Like I do continue to update those to this day. Like when I do a human shift, it's normally an old app and I dog food shift. So like, you know, if I see something I'm not happy with or better yet, now that, you know, you know what's in Laravel 8, 
like I can go back and say, okay, well, I know like factories are going to be class-based in, you know, four versions. So way back in five, six, I can start making incremental adjustments to get you there. Yeah. So it's a little bit less. So like, absolutely. The older shifts still get a lot of love and still have great automation. Yeah. So, but yeah, anyway, we're pushing time there with that last little rando bit. So I'll, yeah. I'll cut some of that out, but uh, maybe we'll pick up more next time. Cool. Alrighty, well, I guess uh, I'll pair with you your tomorrow, yes. whatever that means. Yep, I'll see you then. And for the rest of the audience, hopefully in a week from when you're listening to this. See you next time, yeah. <laughs> see ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 32.